Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. Live from the production studios at Epic Financial Strategies here in Red Bank, New Jersey, we are Infinity X giving a stage and microphone to human excellence in the infinite pursuit of creating massive sales opportunities for entrepreneurs by giving a stage and microphone to human excellence. Tonight, folks, um, you know, we are we are incredibly excited to have Mike Alden on the stage. Mike is a uh, an attorney, an entrepreneur, an author, has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the Alden Report podcast. You can find him on YouTube, Mike Alden, and Mike Alden 2012 on Instagram. We are joined tonight by Mike Alden. What's up, Mike? How are you tonight? Bear with me one second, Mike. I don't have audio. <clears throat> Give me a check one, two. Dan, do you have it? Check, check, check. There we go. Hey, Mike. <laughs> I got you there. How you doing? Oh, it came in and out. I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm unable to hear. Uh, you can probably hear me now. It's weird. I don't know. My microphone, uh, this, this beautiful microphone that I have here. I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep it just like... <laughs> This will look good. Uh, I mean, I know it works. I don't know why it's not working now, but that's okay. We'll nah, you're rocking and rolling, brother. I got you loud and clear on the stage. Um, so, folks, if you have a question for Mike, as always, you can be able to put it into the chat. And, uh, Mike, how you doing tonight, man? What's going on? I'm fabulous, man. I, I, like I said before, you couldn't hear me. I said it's early, though. I'll get better. <laughs> what time is it out where you're at? It's 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock on the dot. Uh, what, uh, what city are you in? Uh, Boston, uh, just just north of Boston. I'm actually in uh, Beverly, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the American Navy. So, oh, know. excellent, excellent. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, yeah, it's where I'm from. It's where my business is. It's where I grew up. And uh, you know, a lot of people grow up in towns and areas, and they want to leave. But uh, it's a beautiful place. So I really oh, awesome. enjoyed it. Awesome. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time up there. It is an absolutely gorgeous place. All New England is incredible. And, you know, I always say that, you know, to know where you're going, you got to know where you're from. So I'd love to hear a little bit of the, of your journey, Mike, like where you grew up and uh, where you went to college and, you know, how you kind of evolved into this megapreneur that you are now. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking that. You know, uh, I grew up right here in, in Beverly, Massachusetts. You know, if you look at Beverly, uh, you see that there's a lot of old money here. Beverly Farms is a beautiful area. In fact, uh, Beverly Hills was founded from a guy from Beverly Farm. So, you know, you think wow. about this area, it's a coastal town, it's beautiful. But I grew up in the projects uh, of Beverly, Massachusetts, surrounded by crime, drugs, and violence. My mom's HIV positive, my stepfather died of AIDS, my father was addicted to coke. Kid, I grew up was in jail for life for murder. Uh, you know, I check really wasn't this uh, Check your mic real quick, brother. Check your mic. You're a little faded. That's weird, man. Really, really weird. Can you hear me now? Uh, just a little bit. Maybe a little, maybe the the boom a little closer to your mouth, maybe. Uh... No, I don't have it. I'm so sorry, Mike. I, yeah. Hmm. Tell there you we go. Nope, got it. Yeah, but but that's not my mic. Um, it's I'm I'm operating on the computer. I hate that we're live, man. I feel bad. Um, no, never... don't worry about it, brother. It's all good. We roll with it. 
You want to log out and log back in? Does anyone mind who's watching? Does you care? I mean, I can log back out and log back in. This microphone's pretty sick. I just don't know why it's not working. No, it's uh, I I think I can hear you. I can hear you now, Mike. So why don't we just keep uh, why don't we just keep rolling with it? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, so uh, so like I said, I you know I grew up in a in a really really difficult situation surrounded by crime, drugs, violence. Um, you know. Uh, you know, I remember what it was like waking up in the morning and, and, and you know, not having, you know, milk uh, for cereal. I remember what it was like to have my lunch subsidized by the by the state, uh, you know, in elementary school, middle school and high school. And, um, you know, I remember what it was like one morning when my mom asked me, she said, hey, go outside and warm up the car. And I went out to go look for the vehicle and it wasn't there and it wasn't because it was stolen. Although that happened a lot in my neighborhood, um, it was because it was repossessed. And uh, that wasn't the first time. And I remember my, my mom, you know, getting on the phone and and begging, uh, you know, with the finance company to, to, to get her car back. And so it was a really difficult situation to grow up in. But at the same time, growing up in the area of Beverly, Massachusetts, I was surrounded by rich people, right? Yeah. I was surrounded yeah. by middle class people, the ones that I thought were really rich. But then there were the, like the uber rich, you know, like yeah. old money, you know, people who's generally, you know, we hear about generational wealth, like true generational yeah. wealth. So it was really a... Um, an interesting place to grow up because I was able to see the richest of the rich. And then I was a part of the poorest of the poor. So um, that's kind of like my, my, the beginnings uh, of my entrepreneurial, you know, stage, you know, look, and you hear it all the time. You know, I was, you know, shoveling driveways in the winter and yep. I was, you know, uh, paper routes and, and lemonade stands and, and then, you know, maybe some things that uh, weren't as above board uh, as they should have been. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I, I identify with that in a multi. Thank you for your vulnerability there, Mike. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a million different questions that pop into my mind, you know, because when you when you <clears throat> I, when I was growing up, I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have that I didn't have that level of financial challenge, but um, I, I grew up in a relatively affluent town where I was absolutely anything but affluent. And I can remember that, you know, you have specific memory. One, one particular memory for me, I'll share real quick. I don't want to make it about me, but um, one particular memory um, was um, on my, I think it was my 13th birthday. We, uh, we, were, we were up in Cooperstown uh, playing a baseball game. And it actually happened to be my birthday, right? And um, I ended up getting the game-winning hit uh, on double day field on my birthday. Right. And I'm so unbelievably excited. And afterwards in Cooperstown, there's a whole, there's, there's a whole bunch of like memorabilia shops and stuff. And I remember that the, the, the kids that had means, uh, were able to go in there and buy, you know, anything they wanted. And I remember seeing this one particular Jersey that I just fell in love with and I wanted so bad and, you know, didn't have it, you know, uh, unfortunately. And it was like, you know, things like that can be, you know, they, they can shape you, they can motivate you, they can drive you. And my question for you, Mike, is, is you know, growing up around that, um, <clears throat> you, I, I imagine that you equate it to your entrepreneurial spirit and some of the things that really motive. Did you notice when, when that was happening to you that it was a motivator or did it anger you or like what, what was your reaction to that, the environment that you were growing up in? Boy, uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff there. You know, um, I think it probably angered me. I mean, I was an angry kid when I was a kid. I was a bully. Uh, you know, I got into fights all the time. Uh, I, you know, I had issues in school with teachers. You know, and I didn't know necessarily know where that anger came from because when you're growing up poor, uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I knew I was poor, but I didn't really know how poor I was. And and, and look, and to put it in perspective. Uh, there was never a time where I didn't eat. 
Um, there was never time when we were actually really homeless, um, you know, but there were times when we didn't have electricity and when, you know, the Salvation Army or some other local organization did, in fact, you know, donate things, you know, food and clothes and things like that. So, you know, I was pretty poor. I mean, I was at or below the poverty level, but there are much worse situations to grow in. And it's really interesting that you say that, too, because, you know, I know that you interview a lot of entrepreneurs here and, and, and I, you know, run in circles, obviously, of entrepreneurs. Um, and a lot of them have similar backgrounds and similar stories, right? And we do yep. use that to drive us. And it truly is our gift. But, you know, um, that moment for you, you know, um, it stuck with you, right? And so there, there are moments for, for me in my life when, like I said, I remember standing in line in elementary school, middle school, and high school. And by the way, my senior year in high school is class president, capital football team. So but, yeah. but, but, but up until that point too, I remember standing there and I had this little, this card I had to give people. And I remember being at the grocery store with my mom and having her car, well, they had bank cards before they really weren't even true debit cards, having that declined and even not really knowing what that was and looking in my mom's eyes and, and remembering that, you know, she had to give this stuff back and making a decision of, am I going to give back apples? or bananas. I mean, it sounds so trivial, but I do remember that stuff. And it's an amazing thing because, because when you grow up, when you wanting and, 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 you know, and also needing, because there's a difference between wants and needs, right? But when you grow up with both and you also grow up under the eyes of people in an area like this, where uh, they don't believe you're going to be successful. In fact, they're actually rooting against you and they, and, and they tell you, you know, I, I tell a story that my 17 year old, when I was 17 years old, my, my, my girlfriend's mother told me I'd be dead or in jail. And you know what? It was because I was talking about how I'd been stabbed. I'd been shot at, I was stealing, I was doing, so she was right. Um, but at the same time, it does drive me. Like, you know, you'd mentioned earlier about where you come from. Look, people make a big mistake and they say, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. Th th that's fine. Don't forget where you came from, but don't stay there. Too many right. people stay there. Yep. And I'm always going to be that kid from the projects. I don't look like it now. Um, I sometimes still do act like it, but that's just who I am. And it's always going to be who I am. And it does drive me. I have a chip on my shoulder because I feel like saying fuck you to everybody who told me I wasn't going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so every, and, and when I get, you know, people talk about fear, right. And they say, you know, what, what are people, what are most people afraid of? They're afraid of success, right? Or they're afraid of failure. Um, mm -hmm. I'm afraid of both, Yep. right? Because I've been over successful. I've lost pr pretty much everything before, declared bankruptcy before, had big companies, lost big companies, had millions stolen from me, made millions. You know, I've had all that stuff. So for me, that fear, even though sometimes it doesn't feel good, it's really given me a, an unfair advantage because- I tell I told my mom this. I wrote an article about this. I said I'm a great loser. <laughs> she said, oh, Michael, what are you about? why why would you say something like that? Well, because at the end of the day, the realities of business and entrepreneurship and life, we lose more than we win. And so I grew up losing. I grew up behind the eight ball. I I grew up with without access to anything. And so yeah. I was just talking to my therapist about this. To this day, okay, to this day. I'm, I'm not given the first class opportunities. I'm always given the second class opportunities. And so I can be pissed off at that. 
which I am a lot of times, uh, and just and not do anything about it and just reject it. Or I could take the opportunities that are given to me, take advantage of them and exploit them to the, to the, to the greatest possible outcome that's available to me. And then in the very near future, those first class opportunities will in fact be given to me. Unbelievable. Folks, we are Infinity X stage and microphone with a king right here, folks. This is Mike Alden and the power of the, the, the power of persistency and the power of looking in the mirror or looking in the rearview mirror, but not staring at the rearview mirror is very, very, very real. Don't forget where you came from, but don't consistently stay where you came from. That is Mike. I've never heard anybody say that before. That's unbelievably powerful. And by the way, to tell you how much I identify with you. And I knew I was going to like you, but um, I, I really like you. Um, I got one word for you and it's target. And, and what I mean by that is I'll never forget the feeling when the bank card didn't work, when I was standing with my mom in the line at target, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget where I was standing. I'll never forget the feeling of the eyes looking on us. I'll never, ever, ever forget. And you know what? To this day, I love going to Target. Love it. You know, I love it because it's a remind. It, it reminds me that when I swipe the card, it's going to work. Well, hold you on, know? hold on, hold on. Let me ask you this: Do you yeah. get nervous that it might decline? Every single time. <laughs> I, do, I, I do too. And uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. Look, I mean, you know. Um, I had, uh, the, uh, America express platinum car, right. It was uh, unlimited. Okay. Right. So, yep. and you know, we, we, I mean, we bang that thing three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a month and I don't have that card anymore, but that's okay. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but I would, I would call my accountant and I'm like, look, um, I'm going out to dinner with these people. You know, uh, I'm guessing it might be a couple grand, you know, it's kind of a, whatever, whatever the number was, you know, can you make sure that we have you know, room on the card. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm sure. Make sure I listen <clears throat> when I was early on in my career. And when we talk about that stuff, the credit cards, I don't think I've ever told this story before. Um, my marriage was essentially over at this time, but um, I would, I said, you know what I need, I needed to like, just, I needed to get out of town. Uh, I had a, a little girl and, and my ex-wife, you know, my wife at the time. And I said, look, let's just, let's just leave. Um, let's go. Uh, my daughter didn't have a passport. She was little. So I said, let's go to Puerto Rico. Right. Get on a plane, yeah. go to Puerto Rico. Um, I charged it on the on the on the MX card, and I had nothing. I had that's all I had for this trip, right? I was going to use. I had a little bit of cash, but that's all I had. Yeah. We get there. We get to the seat. What people don't realize is they don't they don't hit the whole. They don't hit your card for the whole week on day one when you when you when you book it, right? They just you know it's usually yeah. one for. We get on a plane for my daughter, my wife. We go to Puerto Rico, we get to the hotel and my cards decline. Oh my God. And, 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 and I have no other card. Like I have nothing, I have no, so I'm in Puerto Rico with my ex-wife that oh already pretty God. much hates me anyway at the time, you know, and um, I don't know what to do, you know? And, it, and, but if you think, but by the way, um, we didn't get on a plane and go home. So as an entrepreneur, you have to figure things out and you have to figure them out literally on the fly. And you also have to think about, well, if this doesn't work out, what else can I do? And yeah. I actually got American Express and Bank of America on the phone at the same time because I had made the payment. We had made it. It was right. a huge payment though, right? It was like, I don't know, like 120 grand or something like that. But it was yeah. literally just in purgatory, you know? And they're right. like, all right, cool. We'll, we'll let the card clear. So that shit still to this day scares me, man, because 
Um, it just, it's, it's just, I think it's always going to be with you, but at the same time, I think it's a gift in a way. It's a weird gift because I don't like anxiety. <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like fear of like, of, you know, not being able to pay for stuff. But at the same time, it does, you know, people say as soon as when you get comfortable, that's when things start to go wrong. I think that's bullshit. I mean, I would much rather be comfortable, not be uncomfortable, but I think it's just a part of the entrepreneurial life. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of, you know, the process that people talk about, you know, and it's not the planes, the cars, the watches and, and the things that, that people see. It's the stuff behind the scenes that 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 hurts right? That is necessary. You know, look, before we even got on this, look, it's seven o'clock. I'm here in the office. Okay. I was banking. We have a, we launched an insurance company. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm 47 years old. I'm a licensed attorney. I got licensed 18 years ago. We launched this business. I didn't think I was going to, I didn't think I, I needed to be uh, licensed, but lo, lo and behold, I did. So I had to take the life test. I had to take the health test, which I wasn't excited about doing. I was nervous about not passing. Of course I passed, but you know, you, you never know. And what was right. <laughs> I was banging out phone calls before this, calling old older leads. Why? Yep. Why would I do this? What what's the what's the point? Hey, you, you, you I get we get like 60 agents already working for us. Like, why would I do this? Well, because I don't understand the process. I don't know really what it's like. And I'm gonna continue to do that until I really get it. So that way, there when I'm talking to agents that have been doing it much longer than me, they're like, all right, this guy gets it. So yep. these are the things that entrepreneurs do that most people aren't posting about on social media because it's just not sexy to sit right. here and go through leads and bang out my phone on a phone call and dial like this. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, but that's the stuff that we do. And that's what it takes to be successful. Yep. The devil's in the dirt, man. Absolutely. Folks, we are Infinity X. This is Mike Alden. You can find him, Mike Alden, YouTube, 176 uh, podcast strong, Mike Alden, 2012 on Instagram. And Mike, let's um, uh, I, listen. I want to get really deep with you on that insurance front because you really piqued my interest there, brother. I got, uh, we, we got some stories to share here tonight. I'm uh, buckle your seatbelts folks. This is going to be a fun conversation, but so, um, so you're president of, um, you're, pre you're, you're president of your high school class, right? You graduate, you graduate. Where did, uh, where'd you go to barely, school? Barely. You, when, uh, well, Hey, listen, <laughs> you made, you made it through, right? right. But what happened? Uh, what happened next? Right. You went to, um, you, you went, you went, went to, to college. With, I went to Springfield college and I tell you, you know, I have a 16 year old daughter and you know, she's a sophomore and she's an athlete and she's doing great. And, um, yep. and you know, I, I talked to her about, about options, you know, growing up the way I did, I didn't have a lot of options, but then I also made it worse for myself by not giving myself options academically in the beginning, right? I'm not a stupid person. I just didn't put in the work. And I was just like, you know, I was somewhat of a punk and I, and I didn't, and the kids I hung out with really weren't going anywhere in life. But, you know, right around my sophomore year, and I tell people this all the time, and it's weird to talk about this at 47 years old, but, you know, there comes a point in someone's life, and it's usually right around that time, the teenage years, where, where you need to make the decision, not your parents, not your teachers, not your coaches. You need to make the decision whether or not you're going to do something with your life. And I was fortunate that I had, and I've told the stories before, right? You know, I had my father take me for a long walk on the beach one day, and he said, um, he said listen, you know, you're, you're doing the wrong things. You're getting in fights. You're stealing things. Uh, you're getting in trouble. You're, you're failing. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're going to do this, right, if you're going to be a punk, if you're going to be a criminal, um, I know the right people, like I can introduce you to 
to actual drug dealers. I can introduce you to actual gangsters and then you just do it right. You're going to go to jail. You probably die young, but that's just the way. Now, that's what you want. And I remember you talk about these moments in your life. And so that's where I wrote when I started to turn my, started to turn my life around uh, to a certain degree. However, I had screwed it up so bad my freshman year. And even in my first, uh, the first and second quarter of my sophomore year, that to be able to turn around became very, very difficult. And I talk about that in my book, 5% More. I'm not promoting my book at all, but it's written in years ago. Oh, no, no. Promote away, brother. Promote away. But but the thing is, is that, and I was telling my daughter this, it's those little things that make a huge difference. And so even though my senior year in high school, I was class president, captain of the football team, I essentially had straight A's. I graduated with a with a one uh, nine GPA, which is like a C minus GPA. I got a nine ten on the SATs. I, you know, I, I looked practically brain dead. However, I was lucky enough that I played sports and played football, and I got into college. I went to Springfield College, the birthplace of of, of uh, American basketball. And yep. as soon when I got in, that's when I I said to myself, David, I was like, okay, I'm here. And and by the way, it wasn't just me. I had I did have teachers and I did have coaches and guidance counselors and, and even politicians that kind of got behind me and gave me letters of recommendation. So once I got in, like, I knew that this was serious business. Like I, I just couldn't fuck around. I mean, I fucked around, but I mean, but I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get thrown out of school. Uh, I'm not going to get kicked out of school. <laughs> I might've come close a couple of times, but my <laughs> grades, my grades were there. And I also knew that I wanted to go to law school. And, and so I had to learn about really what that meant at Springfield. It's a big athletic training school, big physical therapy school. And I was one of nine political science majors and we all actually became lawyers, all of us. And, um, but even then, you know, I graduated college with, with exactly to the like fifth decimal point of 3.0. Okay. Ah, so did I actually yeah, same I, thing. Unbelievable. Yeah. So like, yeah. And, oh um, and, but so, you know, like if you, you start out, you know, with a two eight or something like that to get to like a three six is like almost impossible. Yes, um, yeah. And so I was able to, 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 to get into law school uh, eventually. And then when I got to law school, now it's serious. Now I'm borrowing all the, well, first of all, all the money I was, I was borrowing anyway in, in undergrad, but now I'm paying for it all. And I went to Suffolk University here in Boston nights. It's a great school, especially if you're, if you're going to practice law around here. Uh, it's one of the only night programs there. And, you know, my classmates, Harvard, MIT, BC, BU, Northeastern, and I'm this kid from Springfield College. I was selling cars, by the way, Um, and and everyone else is like PhDs, and they already had their master's, and they were already in the legal field. And everyone introduces themselves, by the way, in this, uh, in in the first day, one of these classes. And if you've ever been into a a law school, a lot of them, um, it's like stadium style seating. And my law school is what they call, uh, they, they practice the Socratic method, meaning from Socrates, but they just hammer you with questions. You don't know whether or not you're going to get called on. Uh, and, um, but anyway, so the first day of class, everyone's introducing themselves. They say, Oh, I'm this one. I went to MIT and, or I'm a, I'm a PhD. Like one of the, one of the girls in my class, she, like English was like her 10th language. She was a PhD in like linguistics or something, you know? And I say, yeah, you know, I said, my name's Mike. And um, I sell cars over at North Shore Lincoln Mercury. If anybody needs a car, come see me. <laughs> the whole place, the whole place does what you did. Yeah. I ended up selling two cars as a result of that. Uh, and um, I have some of the best friends of my entire life. They'd come up to me and said, you know what, man, dude, we love you. We lo-. The whole place are because everyone's like, oh, look at me, how awesome I am, blah, blah, blah. Then yeah. I graduate law school and, you know, uh, 
I mean, I was instantly thrown in the fire when I was practicing law. I mean, I mean when I say instantly thrown in the fire, the day I started, the day I started with this company, I was working there as well early on, but they were sued by the FTC, the FDA, the IRS, and then it, oh went, my God. And then it went criminal. Like I didn't even have my BBO number yet. So when you sign, um, you know, pleadings and things like that, you have to put your BBO number on it, right? I, so I had to put BBO pending, right? And so all my really wicked smart, I'm here for Boston, you know, classmates, they were yeah. just yet. I was in, I had to get my federal license extradited because you don't get that automatically. I had to get that expedited because we were in federal court defending a, a, a $60 million lawsuit. And by the oh way, my God. and by the way, we did, I wasn't the only lawyer involved, but I was a pretty integral part of it. And, but it was such an amazing experience. And that has led me to kind of where I'm at today because I learned what not to do in business. <laughs> <Pretty cool. laughs> Holy man. And, and you're, you're sitting there thinking, Hey, this is a normal day's work, right? You know, this is what it's all about. Right. You know, I mean, you know, I, like, I haven't told this story a lot publicly, but um, I mean, when it went criminal, uh, you know, that, 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 that's public, but um, I got pulled in to the grand jury. Okay. I had to testify before a grand jury. Now, um, not too many people have ever had to do that before. So I didn't even know what that was like. And the yeah. weirdest part about the whole thing was, is these government agencies are really trying to take down my two bosses, right? Yep. They couldn't figure out me. They couldn't figure out how this street kid, essentially, you know, from a kind of a blue collar law school was general counsel of a company that was doing like, you know, a hundred million dollars a year. And who was I? Like, why was I involved? Right. They couldn't figure any of this stuff out. And it's funny. You say like, so and when you go into the grand jury, again, people don't know this, you don't have, you, you don't have defense lawyers with you, but there's all these other lawyers that are asking you questions and you're all, you're by yourself. Right. And yeah. it's a weird thing because as a lawyer, I had answers to questions that I couldn't answer. So it automatically makes you feel like you're lying. Right. Cause right. you're like, I, I know these things, but they, they were just, they were trying to figure out who I was. And finally I just said, hold on a second. Cause they just, they were putting documents for me. I said, listen, you got to stand something. I said, I grew up in the projects. I just declared bankruptcy because I just declared bankruptcy. I'm dead broke. These guys offered me a job at the time, by the way, it was only $65,000 a year. I go, so yep. I didn't care what their problems were. And by the way, I didn't know any of their problems until I became their lawyer, right? Sure. And then right. that's when they were like, oh shit. Okay, well, yeah, we got nothing else for you, you know? A woman, <laughs> in, the a woman in the grand jury clapped. I'm not kidding. She clapped and I did oh, have a lawyer because I had to get a lawyer. He says, Mike, I've been practicing, you know, law for 30 something years. Cause we had to, we all had to get on. He says, uh, that's, I've never heard of that happening before. You know? So, um, it was such an amazing experience as a young lawyer, uh, because of, because of those, or because I dealt with every government agency, you know, three letter, including the FBI, <laughs> including, you know, uh, the DEA, the DEA, I mean, what, yeah, what, yeah. The DEA? like what, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was uh, I should write a book about that someday. You absolutely should. Folks, this is Mike Alden. We are Infinity X. This is compelling audio here. I mean, unbelievable. The story of the, the, the attorney, the megapreneur. And 
I mean, you want to talk about trial by fire, folks, and getting your feet wet. And, and you know, Mike, I just what I what I like so much about you is just your authenticity, you know, and your transparency. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, by the way, if you told me that a couple of those grand jurors, uh, the people in the grand jury actually bought cars from you, too, because, you know, <laughs> I, I sure as hell will. Um but, uh, you know, folks, if you have a question for Mike, please put it in the chat. Again, you can find him at Mike Alden 2012 on Instagram, Mike Alden YouTube and the Alden Report podcast. And so, Mike, as you're as as you're starting to scale forward, though, in your law career. Right. Um, you know, when when did you identify that you maybe wanted to break away from practicing full time law and start to pr pursue other business ventures? Yeah, you know, like I said, um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Right. And so I. Um, you know, when I learn something or when I, when I start to like, see the business that, were, uh, that I was uh, working for, they were selling dietary supplements. And, you know, so I'm a big dude, as you can tell, uh, I've always been this size pretty much. I mean, I could probably stand to lose 30 pounds. I keep saying 20, it's probably not 30, but I've always been a big guy. I've always taken supplements. People used to accuse me of doing steroids and stuff. I'm like, dude, like I don't have abs. I'm not ripped. Like you don't know anything about steroids. But anyway, so, but I, but I was always taking supplements and shit that people didn't even know about. I mean, I was taking ginseng before anyone knew what it was. And Yep. And all this stuff. And so this company was selling supplements. And so I instantly, you know, loved it because it's just because like it was my thing. And, yep. you know, eventually that lawsuit, that big lawsuit that I was talking about eventually came to an end where it ultimately put the put the company out of business. And so I knew that, you know, that I wasn't going to be able to go work at a big law firm, although I probably could have if I had really tried to, but I just mm -hmm. didn't want to because because of who I am, because you know, I mean, I've had people tell me, hey, Mike, you're a lawyer. You need to start acting like it. Well, yeah, when I'm in federal court wearing a suit and everything I'll, else, I'll act I'm not that dropping F-bombs right? and, yeah. and, you know, doing weird shit. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a different person than, than most lawyers. In fact, that you know, a lot of lawyers are just kind of, they have a bad name for a reason, right? And, you know, they like to one-up you and try and even show you that they're smarter than you and, and things like that. And that's just not who I am. And I didn't know, I don't, I don't think I really wanted to be in that environment. So when the, when the company ultimately went out of business, I, I, I said, I can do what they were doing, but I can do it better uh, yep. and, and cleaner. And let me tell you this, again, I don't know how many times I said this in public. I, I, I started my company, Blue Vase, in 2008, and at the time was the worst economy in the history of the world up until oh, yeah. now. And yep. I got a FedEx from the FTC on my desk. And I open it up and it says, this is in reference to the infomercial in which you appear as Michael Alden. Michael Alden is my pen name, right? And so I was like, holy shit. And by the way, the lawyer who sent it, I was in depositions with, right? Like I was defending. And so, and I'm like, well, of course they know me, but I was like, are they going to tell me that by using a pen name, which everybody does on TV and you know, is somehow deceptive. That's where I thought the letter was going. It wasn't. They were just letting me know that, hey, we're watching you. I was like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? You know, you, you know how I am. You come, you stop by and visit it anytime you want. And by the way, federal marshals and shit were coming to my doors all the time when I first started because that case I was talking about was still going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I, I started that business in 2008 selling dietary supplements via infomercial where I then became the host. So this area that I'm sitting in for those that are watching this is a sound studio, although the sound probably not the best because my microphone's not working, but we'll do it. <laughs> <That's not> it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but behind me is a television studio, which is even now somewhat obsolete. Like everybody has, people have television studios in their bedrooms now, right? 
So um, we built this company out to do direct response advertisements, long form infomercials, interview style infomercials. And that's really kind of what started, um, you know, I shot my first infomercial in Gloucester, Massachusetts um, with a, it cost $6,000. It was, um, I was pale, he was red, the backdrop you could see, you could see the floor. They have what we call call jump cuts, like everything from a cinematography standpoint sucked. But here's the thing, I talk about this a lot with people, it's a little bit of a secret. So if you're listening right now, I'll just say it, is that, you know, people who are um, critics of the way things look, they, they, the one thing that they don't look at enough is the content. It's the content. The quality of the production is important, but it's, 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 it's secondary if the message sucks. Amen. Amen. Unbelievable. Folks, we are Infinity X. This is Mike Alden. If you have a question for Mike, please put it into the chat. And so you launched the first infomercial. And by the way, Jada, I'll get to you in just one second. I see that question up there. Um, so you launched the, uh, the infomercial, right? You launched the company. What happens next? Yeah, I mean, you know, so the first infomercial we did that we spent 6000 generated close to $200 million in revenue. Um, and- whoa, 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 whoa. Re- rewind that back here, folks. Did you just hear what he just said? He, sp- he invested $6,000 into his business and the ROI was what? $200 million. Two- And by the way, and that's not, um, and you know, there's a lot of people that flex and stuff. And especially uh, like, I'm, a, I'm pretty big on, well, I guess I'm not that big, but I'm pretty active on Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and I try to be as active as I can on social media. A lot of people look, we're marketers. I'm a marketer. Uh, yeah. You know, there's smoke and mirrors to, 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 to almost everybody, including me. Um, but, but, but you could tell just from my, just from who I am that I'm, I am pretty authentic. And so when I use yep. numbers like that, it might be 180. Okay. So yeah, I rounded up, but either way, um, hundreds of millions of dollars and that's verifiable. It's easy to prove that these infomercials generated. Here's the thing, here's the crazy thing about it though, is that, you know, I'm 47 now, by the way, I'm gonna start telling people I'm 42. So for those watching, I'm 40, uh, but I'm just gonna back up. So I just hate saying- 38, 38. Yeah, when I started, um, you know, 13 years ago, um, I remember that first, one of the first times where uh, I told this story before, I had a guy, I didn't know where he came from. Um, All of a sudden he reached out to me and he told me that I owed him $750,000. I didn't know who this guy was. I'm like, who are you? He goes, well, I'm the silent partner of this guy. And his name is Charles Parisi, the guy that reached out to me. He's from Brooklyn. Um, you know, he's got a bit of a, you know, weird vibe to him. He shows up to my office. He's all tan, rocking a suit, very calm. And he tells right. me that he's never lost money in any deal he's ever been in. And he's not going to start with me. And I was like, all right. And he says he wants to audit me. So he audits me. And it was like September, October. And at that time, we had done like 33 million in revenue, right? And he says, uh, it was early on, it's like 2010 or 11 or something like that. And he says, um, congratulations. Like you, I also grew up in the projects. Uh, It's an amazing thing what you've done. Um, Most people will never even come close to that, even in the future. It's awesome. He's like, you should be proud of yourself. He said, but what if I told you you lost 2 million? And what if I told you if you cut your revenue in half, you could keep two million. Which one would you choose? And I, you know, I joke, I, well, I don't know, it's kind of cool to say 33 million. I said, we'll probably end up doing 40 this year, you know? And he's like, yeah, but you're losing money, you know? Um, and so I learned that at a, uh, at a young age as an entrepreneur that the size of the business 
and the millions. It sounds cool. And I'm always going to say it because it is kind of cool. But here's the thing is I didn't keep most of it. Right. right. And I, yeah. I made huge mistakes by losing. I mean, when he was auditing me, we were losing 300,000 a week. Oh, um, wow. And I just didn't see it because I didn't have accountants and, you know, I did, but I didn't have them on staff. And, you know, so I just made a lot of mistakes like that, you know, um, in business. And you know what? A lot of entrepreneurs do. And Charles Parisi, um, he's a great friend of mine. Now I paid him back, by the way, because I think I had mm-hmm. to. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Took me a little bit of time. And he made and he charged me interest. And we're good friends now. I, I should go back to him. But um, you know, so yeah, it's uh that that's kind of how it all started. So yeah, when you talk about these big numbers, that was just one infomercial. We had a, several others that, that have done done huge numbers too. But the big mistake that I made is I just didn't keep enough, not only for, for myself, but even just for like a rainy day. Yeah. So uh, the question, the question that Jade uh, put into the chat that I can kind of play with as well in this space, uh, Mike, uh, because I think, you know, it's, it's going to talk about trajectory here. And she says, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to become like you? And I love that question, but also um, I would build off of that question and say, Mike, looking back, right. And, you know, obviously Charles gave you help, you know, hella good advice, right. As you, as you accelerated, but what were some areas where, I mean, because 300,000 a week, that's, that's a hefty number, right? You know, so what were some areas, if you could go back, rewind the clock and, 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 and pivot and do things differently, would you have focused on to kind of capture back some of that wealth and not make the same mistake twice? Yeah, it's really interesting too. And I'm a lawyer and I, and I understand the law and I understand how to, to use the law to my advantage. And I also understand how to use the English language to my advantage. But I, but I didn't take some of my own advice, right? And so, um, it, look, my first, not my first house, but my, yeah, I guess my kind of first house, starter house or what have you. Um, it's a $350,000 house uh, in Bradford, Massachusetts, which is close to New Hampshire. It's Haverhill, Mass. It's not a really nice area, but, you know, it's a nice neighborhood. Sure. And, um, you know, I, I, when I bought that house, uh, you know, we, we put it in a trust. And people were like, a $300,000 house? Like, why would you, like, $350,000 house? Why would you do that? My stepfather, who was a mechanic, not a, not a learned man, not an educated guy, didn't graduate high school. I remember when I got married, he said, Mike, you should, um, you should have a prenuptial agreement. This guy, I'm like, what? It doesn't make any sense. I just declared bankruptcy. I didn't have anything. My ex-wife right. was the one making the money, but he right. was right. And so, so one of the things that I, one of the big mistakes that I made back then uh, was, I was preparing for success, but I didn't prepare enough. In other words, there are things that you can put in place in your personal life and in your business life now that might seem like a lot of money. Like you might have to spend, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars or what have you yep. with an attorney, like yep. to maybe set up an LLC or put together, you know, an irrevocable trust or do these things that sound complicated when they're really not, even though you're not doing big things yet. If you have those in place now so that when you're successful later, that's when it's really going to pay off. And that was, again, a big mistake that I made, you know, back then. Uh, I just mean, I had, I kind of did it. I just didn't do quite enough because again, it was a $350,000 house. It was like, no big deal. I mean, we talk about insurance, you know, life insurance, right. You know, so again, I'm 42. I was 47. I look at this. I'm going back. You're actually 41. You're going backwards. By the time I'm down, I'll be in my twenties. So, you know, 
with people that they don't think about those things. They don't think about life insurance. They don't think about um, even health insurance. Like that's our thing. So, so they, they, because they don't have a lot yet, but it's really simple to put things in place to prepare for your future success. So my old self, I would say, Hey man, you know what you're doing. You took Wales and Trust in law school. You know, it was one of the toughest classes. You, you understand this stuff. It's actually not that complicated. Put that stuff in place now so that in the future you can benefit from it. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and then also the other part is unearned revenue or unearned income. I, I, I mean, I knew this then, but it's really hard not to kind of like live like a baller when, you know, you're doing 50, 60 million a year, you know, it's just hard not to. So, you know, you'd buy things that you probably shouldn't travel first class when I probably shouldn't stay in, you know, hotels in Vegas that are $2,000 a night. It's cool, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, but even back then social media really wasn't what, and so like, I didn't even get any value out of that. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, yeah, I'm staying at the win and this sick hotel and it's awesome. And I love the bathtub because I, I like taking tubbies, but you know, um, but but none of that's, but it's like, who cares? Right. I just blew all that money. I wish I had it back. <laughs> you no, know? blew off your balance sheet. Can't we can't recapture it? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Folks, we are Infinity X Stage and Microphone for Human Excellence. We're joined tonight by Mike Alden, who's had just an unbelievable, fascinating story of uh, trials and tribulations to massive, massive success in, um, in, a, in, in, the, in the supplement world, infomercials. Um, you can catch him on social media at Mike Alden YouTube, Mike Alden 2012 on Instagram and the, uh, the Alden Report uh, podcast. And, you know, Mike, with that in mind, um, you know, as you, you know, as you continue to experience, uh, you know, astronomical success, um, there were, the, you know, it, it, through, you know, the decade of the 2000s through 2008, now into, um, you know, into where we are now. Um, when did social start to really, really become a avid part of who you are and what you're doing between podcasting and putting out the presence and, and really kind of leveraging your influence? Yeah. You know, I kind of feel like I'm behind. Actually, I know I am because, because when I was in law school, you know, guys like Gary V and Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez, you know, were out there already selling. Right. Um, and they were out there already kind of building their brand. And so, and then when I was building my business, the reason why my handles are Mike Alden 2012, because that's when I decided I was going to do something on social media and I didn't want to. And honestly, like, I'm not even like a big fan of it. Like I don't, I don't, it's a weird, like necessary evil now in this world that we're living in. Like if you don't, then you're not relevant. Right. And if you don't, then you can't grow your business and, you know, believe it or not, um, I'm somewhat introverted. And so like, I, I struggle with like, all right, well, I got to create a post now and I have to put this thing out there and I got to have some guy edit it. And I gotta, you know, I, I gotta have to say something that's, uh, I don't know, of value, right? You know, but if you actually look at my Instagram, a lot of people would criticize it. I'm posting stuff with my dogs and whatever, because I'm just like, I care, but not that much. It's weird. You know, if I can help people, it's usually through my books. That's usually this help people. And, and I'll talk about things that I think are important that have had an impact on me. And I'll try to just push it out there. And, and maybe it does help somebody, you know, but it wasn't until 2012 where I decided, all right, well, I have to do this. And it's like, you know, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's Snapchat. Now it's TikTok. Like I'm on TikTok, but I don't really do much on it. And, and I do feel like I'm behind, but I also feel like that the things I have to say 
and the things that I've done are pretty cool and it is authentic and it is real. Whereas most of the stuff out there, and you know, it's this whole fake it till you make it culture that's out there. These 20 somethings that are on Instagram that are teaching people how to be successful and they've never been successful at anything at, in their lives. Never had a bad market, any of those things. Absolutely. successful at showing other people how to be successful, you know? Sure. And so like, to me, that's just bizarre. Like, why yep. would you want to learn from some, some guy who's che- teaching you a course that he bought from so from someone else for nine ninety seven, and now he's charging you the same thing. And all he's doing is regurgitating what he taught from someone else who was also somebody who never really experienced any success. And by the way, I know almost all of them personally, and I don't really associate with them because they're all bullshit artists. All <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We are Infinity X stage and microphone. Folks, this is uh, this is Mike Alden. So, Mike, what led you? Um, what led you to the insurance industry? I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so it's a crazy story. It ties back to infomercials. Yeah. So, um, so we we've been selling health and wellness products, dietary supplements. We've, we've been very successful in selling books, not only my books, but but others. We've literally sold millions of books. A lot of them have been in in the health and wellness space, and. And so I, um, I was on Clubhouse, actually. Clubhouse, by the way, changed my life. I talk a lot about it. And I think people should um, be active on it. It's such, I mean, it's changing. But when I first got involved like a year and a half ago, it was such an yeah. amazing opportunity. And I absolutely loved it. And I had a guy. Um, uh, his name is Jeff the Entrepreneur. He's going to love that I just mentioned him, right? And so he says to me, he says, uh, hey, Mike, um, Ed Milet, you probably know Ed Milet. Ed Milet has this organization. And uh, he's recruiting, uh, he had a five-year non-compete. He, he sold his business, but now he's getting back into what's called World Financial Group. And he's looking sure. to hire, uh, you know, life insurance agents. You know, would you be interested? And I was like, in a way, kind of like insulted. And then I was like, well, well, how are you guys getting your leads? I don't know. And well, I said, here's what we'll do. I said, why don't I interview Ed Milet on an infomercial? Um, and, you know, by the way, we did Dean Graziosi's infomercial, How to Be a Real Estate Millionaire. So we've done some big biz op shows too, right? And so I was like, why don't I interview Ed about this opportunity and we'll send calls uh, or we'll send them to a website to generate leads for people. Let, let, let's do that. I don't, I don't really know, Ed. I'm just, you know. So it started to get me. Oh, so then he gets me on, like essentially like a recruiting call with some guy and he starts showing me the numbers. And I was like, it was crazy because when I was in law school, I got interviewed by uh, Northwestern Mutual Financial 17, yeah, yeah. 17 years ago, and they guaranteed, I don't know if they still do it anymore, but they did, and maybe I was special. I don't think so, but they that's guaranteed weird. me $150,000 a year. That wasn't oh, my sure. salary, but that's what yeah. they guaranteed that I would make in that year, whether I made it or not, right? Right. And right. I was like, this isn't real. Like, this doesn't make sense. By the way, I interviewed four times with them. Uh, excuse me, three times. The fourth time they wanted me to come back. I didn't have another suit. I told them I'm not coming back. They did offer right. me the job, but it wasn't real. It wasn't for me. So then Jeff starts showing me the numbers. And I have life insurance. And I know how, I know what, uh, how, you know, what it can do for you and, and how important it is, especially in your family. So I said, hey, it didn't work out with the Ed Milet thing. He probably didn't even reach out to him. I reached out to my people and I said, does anybody know anybody? in the insurance space, whether it be health insurance, life insurance, what about solar or, or any sort of lead gen type thing? Because I'm great at interviewing people. It's what I've been doing for the past 12 years. I mean, I've been on, I mean, te- it's different now, but I've been on television for the past 12 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like all over North America interviewing people. It's what I do, right? I don't look like this. I'm wearing a suit and, you know, and so 
somebody responded and said, yeah, I know a guy. And here's the crazy thing. That guy was a guy that I pitched 13 years ago. I went down to his call center and pitched yes. him to do a long form infomercial on health insurance. He was running short form infomercials and health insurance. Well, he exited that company and he's looking for something new. And he said, Mike, let's, let's just do it all over again and I'll do it with you. And that's it. And that's how, that's how it started. And that was, uh, I don't know, six months ago or so. <laughs> Unbelievable folks. This folks, this is, you got to pay attention to what Mike Alden is up to boy. I'll tell you, this is, this is insane trajectory. And, and, and Mike, can I play in this space for a couple of minutes? Because I, I, I want to, um, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about ecosystems, right? And and I think the power, I'll call it the power of the stage and the microphone and the power of introducing one person to another person and how one plus one, you know, my friend Sean Callagy says one plus one equals a trillion, you know? And so we, um, you know, here at Epic Financial Strategies, which is, uh, which is the company that was founded by, by my uh, partner, Rob Gill, uh, we've developed uh, partnerships, uh, one in particular uh, with a guy by the name of Chris Crone, who um, have developed a, a, I'll call it a marketing system, because I, I think you're aware of this as well. Marketing in the financial services arena is unbelievably antiquated, you know, and, and it's old school and they're telling, uh, hey, when you were at Northwestern Mutual, they definitely wanted you to do something called a Project 200, guaranteed. Hey, give me 200 of the, you know, people, your friends and family and best friends and people that you sat next to in college, you're right? You're warm market, yeah. You're warm market, absolutely, you know, and um you know, that that worked once upon a time, in my opinion, it's a challenge to make it work now. But um, we've we've identified a method in which we um, uh, through through partnership with with other influencers right in social media verticals um, have created a system where you know people are requesting consultation with us um, and are coming conditioned to want to talk about the living benefits of what life insurance can do right and you know as a business owner you're very very aware of this you know you can use life insurance as leverage you can reinvest it back in your business create multiple rates of return but we, through this partnership and through development of uh, these ecosystems, um, we went from, you know, I would call it, you know, eight to 10 qualified sales appointments on a month over month basis to this particular month, we're going to receive in a little bit over 2000 requests for appointment. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been unbelievable growth and trajectory, which I would, would love to chew your ear on a little bit, maybe post, uh, post this call. Um, but um as it's as it's continued to uh, you know as, as it continues to scale <clears throat> and it continues to grow, um, we're constantly thinking about innovation, right? New ways that we can innovate. Um, you know how we're putting our brand out there. You know how we're putting content out and 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 really kind of increasing the size of our stage and our microphone, right? And so as you continue to as you look to build and scale and continue to grow, what are some you know and and it's not necessarily just insurance, right? But it's anything, you know, anything business development wise or entrepreneurial. Um, what would you suggest are things that our listeners should be focused on to expand? And you mentioned Clubhouse. I, I, I want to touch on that a little bit as well. But what are some platforms or strategies that people can use to expand their outreach of their message? Because the hardest part, especially in sales, is getting qualified conversations, right? And so what are some tactics that you see that are relevant now, maybe that people aren't necessarily thinking about? 
this right here. I mean, this is it. I mean, this this, this very medium than what you what you and I are communicating on and yep. uh, you know podcast slash streaming uh, is a beautiful thing. The barrier of entry is essentially zero. I mean, you know, I talked about the production quality. I mean, you have a great set and the microphone, the sound, and everything. And I'm sure you probably even have a team involved. But people re don't realize is that you don't need all that stuff. You know, I mean, you. I mean, I I've done I did a podcast once. Uh, uh, it, I did a podcast once at an airport. You can hear stuff in the background. I just had the, just had the headphones, but, <laughs> so, but but I've done podcasts in my car, you know, sure. and because because it just you know because of timing, it just wasn't you know Tim. You know, do you know what Tim's story is? I interviewed Tim Story in my car. Like Tim Story's been on Oprah. He's friends with Oprah. The guy's like the guy's a baller, right? Yep. And yep. and because I wasn't going to miss my daughter's soccer game, uh, I was going to do it in the car. He loved it, by the way. He thought it was amazing, and I was just going to do the audio. Because I didn't want him to know I was in my car. And he's like, no, you're going to turn the video on. Like, this thing's awesome. So I think that this is it right here. The barrier of entry is so low. And so a lot of people would think, and this is kind of like, this is a challenge a lot of people have with social media. And you see guys like Gary, oh, just post content, post content, post. Well, the people don't have content. I don't right. think people are that interesting. I don't think most people's lives are that interesting, including mine. And so, but... What a great thing to do is, is, is do exactly what you're doing and exactly what I'm doing is start a podcast and interview interesting people. Now, yep. then people would say, well, geez, I don't know who to interview. Listen, my first interviews on my podcast, Charles Parisi, by the way, was the one who told me to start my podcast because I got all this equipment in here. It's not working. But anyway, he says, look, start a podcast. This is eight years ago. We have more than 176. It's just we, we rebooted it and, and that's where we're at now. My first interviews were just people in this building in my hometown. You know, I interviewed my barber. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Grant Cardone was busting my balls. I've had him on twice. And, and uh, I interviewed my barber just years ago. And then Grant came on after. He goes, I hope we do a better job than, my, than, than your barber. We well, <laughs> my barber. My barber has been in business for 40 years. And he's got a lot to say. And he's an interesting guy. And so I would say to the people listening right now, start a podcast interview people. If you don't have anything to say, that's okay. Interview people. You guys reached out to me through like an agency, you know, but a lot of times people, you know, you just send them a DM and just ask, yeah, hey, yeah. Can, you come on, can you come on my podcast? You know, and, and I've had some of the biggest names in the world in business on my podcast and it all started with just me asking. So right. I would say do that, start a podcast to do continue. And here's the other thing you had mentioned connections like my, my next book is titled connection capital people talk mm. about your network as being your net worth i think there's something that there's a disconnect there your network is not necessarily your net worth it's your connections that truly build your capital and when i say connections i mean a true authentic connection with people because i have a massive network like grant cardone and all these other people i'm not like besties with these people so i don't have like a strong connection with them you know but i do have strong connections with so many people because I'm interested in their lives. I'm interested in what they're doing. So your network is important, but your connections are so much more important because like you said, that one can turn into a trillion. And in fact, my book, uh, you know, Connection Capital, I tell a story about one of the first guys that I met in the, in the direct response space. He gave me his business card. I was at a, a free event because we couldn't afford it. And he gave me his business card. And that guy changed my life. And not only changed my life, but he changed thousands of people's lives as a result of that one interaction. So start a podcast. And the reason why I was telling you that whole connection thing is, is because I've developed, and I have a feeling it's going to be a great one with you, amazing connections with people as a result of the podcast. Yes. I've become 
great friends with people that I would have never been able to connect with, but for the fact that I had something to offer them. I had a podcast that I wanted to have them on. We could create some cool content. And by the way, when I first started, I had a list of like 10 questions and it sucked. But now it's a little bit different. And I just basically go to, you know, kind of a more uh, kind of interview style where it's very, very kind of conversational. So start a podcast. I would tell anybody and everybody to do that. Unbelievable. Folks, this is Mike Alden. We are Infinity X, staged a microphone for human excellence. Start a podcast. Get your brand out there. It's free marketing. Uh, and by the way, Gary Rand, I love what you're saying. High value, authenticity, your contacts are my currency. I love that, Gary. You're the man yourself, brother. Thank you so much for the comments in the chat. And um, hey, let's talk about Clubhouse real quick because Clubhouse yeah, yeah. is almost like a free podcast to a degree. You know, I mean, in, in you have, you have, but how? I keep getting people, uh, you know, uh, you know, saying, ah, Clubhouse was a fad. Clubhouse is dead. Clubhouse is like it's it. You just you get lost in it. It's not worth your time. I'm hearing something completely different from you, Mike. So what's uh, what's your Clubhouse, take on that? Clubhouse changed my life. Um, you know, so look, I um, in 2014, I got involved in cryptocurrency. I, I wrote a book about it. I built out a mining operation. I got involved in cryptocurrency uh, and Bitcoin. Um, one, because I, I was just interested in it, but what I really started to see the impact that it could have on the world and what it yep. could do for people, then I really started talking about it on my, on my private social media pages, you know, Facebook or what have you. And it was amazing what happened. So many people started coming, Hey Mike, I want to get involved. And so I really started to scream from the rooftops about cryptocurrency, not because of the necessarily the money-making aspect of it, because that is a big part of it, but because of the access that anybody could get. See, at the time when I got involved, I think Bitcoin was at like 3,000, right? And even then it was such a big number. And most people just thought it was like out of their reach. But what they didn't realize is you could buy a dollar in Bitcoin and just start to learn and start to build on compound on that. So I was screaming about that from the rooftops, get involved. And a lot of people did. And actually I have some friends that made more money than I did. Um, and, and then the other thing I screamed about in, in, my, in my career is transcendental meditation. I don't care if you follow any form of meditation. My book, Ask More, Get More. And 2014, I was talking about mental health. I go to a therapist. I've been going to one my whole life. Now it's like the thing because of COVID and everybody's fucked up. And as they rightfully so, I get it, right? But now we're yep. talking about it, okay? And I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to put myself as like some sort of visionary or anything, but I've been talking about it for a long time because I don't really care if people are like, oh, he goes out there. Yeah, you know what? People got to you know talk through stuff. So I started screaming about that, saying how impactful it was in my life. And, and, and so many people have, uh, uh, look, I, I, I paid for 25 of my employees and put my parents on it. Meditation uh, is such an amazing th that thing. The third thing in my career that I screamed about was Clubhouse because of the access that you still can get on Clubhouse. You know, when you're sitting in, in a room uh, and Elon Musk pops into the room and you're mm -hmm. there and you have the possibility to truly interact with him, you know, uh, you know, to use celebrities like I was in a room having a conversation with MC Hammer, Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton about this thing that everybody knows about now. It's called an NFT. Right. This was, yeah, this yeah. was a long time ago when we were talking about this. So Clubhouse gives you access and it does give you a platform just like podcasts do. Um, and I would say to anybody who wants to create, create connections and they want to get access to people, get on Clubhouse. Get involved in it. Is it changed? Absolutely. Is it different? Yeah. Is it more of like 
kind of like entertainment type stuff. Yeah. I mean, are there things that I don't like about it? Yeah. All that stuff. However, if you're just starting out and you want to meet people like, like for instance, like Grant Cardone, right? Grant Cardone is all over Clubhouse. I don't know why he's there all the time. I mean, you know, he's worth a couple hundred million and he's got billions under, uh, under management. He's there all the time for a reason. And the reason why he's there is because his people are there. Right. And I say, I don't know why, but I really know why he's there because his people are there, you know, John Ledger, uh, the you know former CEO of T-Mobile. I now have a relationship with him uh, as a result. I didn't know who John Ledger was. He probably didn't know who I was either. Okay, but you know the guy's worth a couple hundred million and built. A, you know he was a big part of T-Mobile's success. And and so we thought. And there's a lot of other people that you've never even heard of that are doing big things that can help you. And so for me, I've developed true authentic relationships very quickly. And here's why. Because on Clubhouse, it's an audio-only app, right? So, you know, women don't have to worry about putting on makeup. And I was just talking to Phil Dryley, who's a good friend of mine. She's like, Mike, I love Clubhouse because I can just roll out of bed. I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to worry about that stuff. Elena Cardone talked about the same thing. And it's just a, a great resource for people. And so is it dead? I don't know. You got Spotify with Green Room. They just changed it. And you got Twitter Spaces and all these other things. There's a reason why all these other companies are, are, are following suit because it is impactful. So I would say get on Clubhouse and get active. Unbelievable. Folks, get back on the Clubhouse. Get back on the train. The train hasn't stopped moving. You just have to figure out what stop you want to get on, right? You know, <laughs> And be intentional with how you market, folks. Be intentional with how you approach things like Clubhouse. Be intentional with the content that you're putting out there on social media. Be intentional with the content and the people that you're interviewing on your podcasts, right? Stage and microphone. Mike, I could not sing that louder, brother. You are... You're a mega power, man. I am so blown away with your with 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 your story of challenges growing up with um, putting yourself through law school, um, you know, it, selling two cars in. I'll never forget that story, by the way. I think that's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my entire life. But, um, you know, building out a multi, multi, multi million dollar brand, um, you know, have, you know, experiencing unbelievable highs, recognizing lows growing from those becoming an accomplished author again published in you know wall street journal in usa today um accomplished podcaster you're up to amazing 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 things um where can people uh, obviously they can follow you on instagram right they can follow you on youtube but where can people get more information about what mike alden's up to and how they might be able to network and or you know follow in your footsteps where can they get access to you yeah, I mean, you know, I, I am pretty active on Instagram uh, at Mike Alden uh, 2012. Uh, you know, you just go to MikeAlden.com as well. Uh, you know, if you hit me up on on Instagram, look, I am pretty active on Clubhouse. I, I I'm there very intentionally on Clubhouse. I help other authors with their books, and so I have a club called Bestseller Secrets. Um, the world is changing on Clubhouse, so there's not there's I'm not as active as I used to be. But you know, check me out on Clubhouse at Mike Alden. You know, send me a DM. You know, I don't have a team of people that are responding to stuff. I'm the one who responds to stuff. And you know, if you if you have a question, if you need help with something, I respond to everything because I'm not getting thousands of them all the time. Uh, yeah, so it's just at Mike Alden 2012. And Love by it. the way, listen, people usually say this after the fact. To me, I just to be honest to people say they hey, you know did a great job, dude. You're really good. I'm just letting you know. You're really good. Wow. Dude, Mike, listen, um, 
thank you, brother. That, I mean, it, uh, that's um, I'm freaking honored that, and uh, I I see you in my future. Quite frankly, I mean, like I really I really do, man. I uh, I'm super excited. I will be one of those DMs in Instagram, um, talking about some ways that we might be able to co-create together because your your brain is like a microchip, and I, and I, your entrepreneurial spirit is just uh, it's it's really really exciting. And I think we're doing some business verticals that you might be interested in as well. So Mike, I can't thank you enough for spending the last, I mean, this hour flew by folks. I usually finish up at about eight 59. It's eight Oh three. I could go to eight 30. Um, I, you know, this, this hour has just, has just flown by in the blink of an eye. And um, again, we are infinity X folks replay at we are infinity X.com. We are infinity X, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. And um, you know, Mike, again, it's just been an absolute honor to share a stage with, for you, uh, with you for the last hour, man, you are a beast. And um, I really appreciate you and everything that you're up to brother. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, folks. We are Infinity X. Uh, until next time, uh, we're going to say good evening. Good night. Thanks, Mike. Thank Thanks, you. David. You guys are very welcome, Gary. Every time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time. <laughs>